Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. <clears throat> it's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer on God's Word. It is November 10th, 2023, and uh, this is a pre-recorded Congregation of Prayer for you, of course, uh, because my family and I, we are um, on Esther's Make-A-Wish trip to uh, Florida, so uh, hopefully she's having a delightful time already. We uh, left yesterday. And, um, well, anyway, what a blessing, right? Uh, and a gift. So we'll be enjoying that. But I'm here with you uh, ahead of time recording so that uh, we can remain steadfast in God's word and prayer. So um, today we're going to look, jump around a bit uh, with jo- uh, Joshua's conquest, or rather the Lord's conquest through Joshua. Um, and the, part of the reason for that is actually the next 10 chapters or so largely are descriptions of the territories of the 12 tribes, intermixed with um, some additional defeats of certain people (laughs) so that that land can be given over to the appropriate tribe. All right? So the divisions of the lands and their borders and whatnot are all described. We don't need to hear all of that. Um, Just know that the land is distributed um, in in a way, right, to the various tribes. Um, I don't know if it's equitable, but that's not the point, is it? Not necessarily. All right. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, our psalm for the week, Psalm 116, beginning in verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our memory verse, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Let's try it again. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. All right, our creed, our catechism I should say, is the creed, the second article, its explanation. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right, 
continue where we left, left off yesterday with our first reading, Ephesians chapter 1, now verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You can tell the uh, English editors, beginning verse 15 to 21, just like earlier in the chapter, it's like, where do we put the punctuation? Oh, well, just kind of uh, arbitrarily drop some <laughs> semicolons and commas in here. Uh, but you'll note, I'm guarantee of inheritance of redemption, purchased possession. That's who we are, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is, again, more of the language of um, God's divine calling of you from the foundation of the world, election, predestination, that he's chosen you, right? And that he's worked all things for you and for your glory. That is, for the glory of his son, I should say. Even faith, which is necessary to believe. All right. And as I said, we're going to jump around a bit here in Joshua. Uh, Again, the parts that we're going to skip are largely definitions of the various territories of the of the various tribes okay uh, you can go check those out if you like uh, it's mostly just ge- geography but that's okay it's worth reading too all right so joshua chapter 11 as the lord had commanded moses his servant so moses commanded joshua and so moses our joshua did he left nothing undone of all that the lord had commanded moses thus joshua took all this land the mountain country all the south all the land of goshen the lowland and the jordan plain the mountains of Israel and its lowlands from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, as, even as far as Baal God, in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all these those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, those inhabitants of Gibeon. All the others they took in battle, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts and that they should come against Israel in battle that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, Joshua was old, advanced in years. Chapter 13. And the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. This is the land that yet remains, in the territory of the Philistines, and all that of the Geshurites, from Seor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron, northward, which is counted as Canaanite, the five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ash- Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, the Gittites, and the Ekronites, also the Avites from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Mira that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek, to the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gebelites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon as far as the entrance of, to Hamath. 
all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Misharaf, Mishafoth, excuse me, and all the Sidonians. Them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance. Oh yes, they cast lots for it. As I have commanded you. Now therefore divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. Remember the other half is across the Jordan to the east. All right, skipping to um, 18, because we have all that distribution happening. The whole congregation of of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. That's north of Jerusalem, by the way. And the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes, which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord, and there Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according to their divisions. All right, and then there's some more division going on. Chapter 21, beginning of verse 43. Right, um, The first part of chapter 21 is um, the instructions concerning the Levites, who, remember, don't have a particular land of their own, but dwell throughout all the lands. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. All right. So, questions and answers, right? That's what we do here. That is what we do here. Uh, that first verse, eleven fifteen, I think is quite important, right? The Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, so Joshua did. Nothing was left undone that was commanded by the Lord through Moses, right? So, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, right? Um, also, the end of Luke's gospel, how does that go? Luke 24, there's a similar expression. O foolish ones of slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning, this is the road to Emmaus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Or he explained to them all the things. He could give you a whole list of things, right? All right. So Joshua, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keeping it, is hearing the word of God and keeping it, right? Beautiful. Uh, What did Joshua do with the kings? As the Lord commanded, struck them down and killed them with the sword. Um, and of course, here's an interesting note. Why do the people wage war rather than um, um, sue for peace? Why do they wage war against Israel? The Lord hardened their hearts, that's in verse 20, that they might be utterly destroyed. Um, this is always, I think, something that we need to recognize with warfare. I know we we spend a lot of time, especially as Christians, relying upon just war theory, which has come out of the Thomistic, I think primarily out of the Thomist, but also Augustine has it as well. And the idea of like, what is a just war and what's an unjust war? to try to decide whether Christians can participate or not. And uh, that's helpful. But the problem is, is that we can deceive ourselves and have the truth not in us and actually uh, wage war against people who aren't our enemies. And you'll note uh, that's care. We should be careful about such things because, um, by, uh, treating others as enemies whom the Lord has died for, Lord Jesus Christ has died for to forgive, um, we could actually turn out to be waging war against God, right? All right. That doesn't mean we're always at peace. Uh, generally speaking, defensive war um, is all that is is considered just. Um, preemptive strikes, not really just, all right? Because you're presuming to know the future, and only God knows the future. 
Well, it looks like they might attack. Oh, well. So sorry. Um, what would be another example of this? Oh, this is the, uh, you saw this in the, uh, one of the January 6th cases, actually, in a number of them. Um, so the, the people were uh, convicted for the crime that they might have been committed. Yes, this is true. They were, uh, I saw um, a 20 year old was convicted for six years, to be in prison for six years because it looked like they probably would have participated in the mob that overrun the Capitol. Uh, that's not just. That's unjust, right? He did no, didn't do it, and yet you're convicting as if he would have done it. Hmm. We call this thought crime, right? Uh, read 1984 if you want to know more about that. All right. Anyway, um, here warfare. They come against Israel um, because the Lord is delivering this land to them, to God's people, right? And so He hardens their heart, just as with Pharaoh, so here with them, so that they are utterly destroyed. All right. Joshua's old, and we see that in the next chapter, chapter 13. There. Um, and the Lord still promises to Joshua in his age that he's going to drive out the rest of the enemy before the Israelites. Even though they had not yet um, inhabited the land, Joshua was commanded to already divide it um, as inheritance among the tri- nine tribes and a half that are left. So even though they've not yet been, the kings that reside there have not yet been defeated, yet uh, it is to be divided. And uh, he does so from the Tabernacle of Meeting, which is set up in Shiloh, which is where it's going to be until David um, to the north. I, was that on the map on the title frame? Probably. Let's see if Shiloh's on there. Uh, no, actually, Shiloh's not on there. It's by Mount Gerizim, though, north of Bethel. All right. So there you go. How many tribes have not yet received their inheritance at that point? Now it's seven. And again, cast lots for them in the presence of the Lord. We see that in 18 verse 10 um, and gives it to them. Right. All of this is, of course, the Lord giving them the land according to his promise. And once they take possession of the land, verse 44, he gave them rest all around, as he had sworn to his father. No enemy stood against them. All the enemies had been given into their hand. Finally, peace. <laughs> how long will that last? Uh, we'll see. But um, you'll notice, how did he give them peace? Verse 45, that last verse. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Right? They remain steadfast in the word of God. That's the key. Warfare comes when they stop believing, when they refuse to believe, when they fail to walk in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. None of the Lord's promises failed. They all came to pass. And of course, the Lord always keeps his promises, right? Um, as well as that, especially that we um, be confident in our salvation in Jesus Christ who has prepared for us a sure and eternal rest in him. Right, go back to the Ephesians reading for that. Okay, let's summarize. Joshua has provided a detailed account of the conquest and distribution of the land in order to declare that those who hear the word of God and hold fast to it will never be disappointed. The Holy Spirit is not concerned with a geography lesson so that we may diagram the precise border of the tribes, which is why we skipped all of that, actually. Rather, we are to take heart that the Lord will defeat all our enemies, particularly sin, death, and the devil, in order that we might receive an eternal inheritance in Christ. The rest which the Lord gave to Israel on every side would would soon fail them. Yet, there is a greater rest which has been prepared for us in Christ, as certainly as all of the Lord's good promises were fulfilled to Israel. So we may be certain that through Christ's death and resurrection, God has sealed eternal life for all who believe in Jesus. Okay. All right. Yesterday, we uh, did the first two stanzas. Let's do uh, stanzas three and four today. How about that?
faithful, true, and bold, fight as the saints who nobly fought of old, and win with them the victor's crown of gold. Communion, fellowship divine. We feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one, and the for all are thine. Oh, Alleluia! Oh, We don't have a commemoration today, um, but it is uh, Martin Luther's birthday. So uh, you know it's Martin Luther's birthday because tomorrow will be St. Martin of Tours Day. So we'll uh, try to remember to recognize that as I record for tomorrow. All right. Uh, let's see. How about, uh, we've got a little time yet. How about I give you um, the background of the hymn that we've been singing for all the saints? How about that? Today be a good day to do that. 677. William Walsham Howe, 1823 to 1897, was ever mindful of the communion of saints on earth and in the church triumphant. His colleague, William Boyd Carpenter, Bishop of Ripon, wrote, quote, He felt the fervor of Catholic life, the great host of God's serving, struggling, martyred, yet triumphant children passing before his view. He saw the glorious procession of the sons of God as they swept through the open gates of paradise. He heard their victorious song of praise, the Alleluia of the redeemed, rang in his ears and passed into the music of his noble hymn for All Saints' Day. That's in a memoir. This noble hymn was written while Howe was rector at Whittington, a farming village on the border between England and Wales. It became popular within his lifetime and remains the most widely known hymn from his pen. Original stanzas 3, 4, and 5 reflecting part of the Te Deum, were often omitted in subsequent hymnals, reducing the number of stanzas from 11 to 8. The omitted stanzas, as slightly revised by the author for Church Hymns, 1871, are the this. So here's the missing stanzas. For the apostles' glorious company, who bearing forth the cross or land and sea, shook all the mighty world we sing to thee. Alleluia. For the evangelist, by whose pure word, like fourfold stream, the garden of the Lord, is fair and fruitful, be thy name adored. Alleluia. For martyrs, who with rapture kindled eye, saw the bright cloud descending from the sky, and dying grasped it, thee we glorify. Alleluia. Hmm. Church hymns, of which Howe was joint editor, contained the authorized hymn text, which included the change of the first line, For all thy saints, to For All the Saints, the form in which it has now been known ever since. Although Howe was an, an accomplished author of poetry and religious prose and was offered a number of advancements in position over the course of his life, he remained humble. He rarely referred to his own writings, popular though they were. But in a letter to his brother Maynard, upon the death of a family member, he mentions this hymn by name. The letter was written on June 29, 1893, the day of St. Peter and Paul, when Howe was 69 years old. 
How merciful it has been all been for her. I was dreading a long, sad time of clouded mind, though I prayed with her that there might not be a loss of mind or memory if it were God's will. I went to our morning prayer in the chapel just after reading the letters and sang as our saints day hymn for all thy saints who from their labors rest. So much of it came home to me with new meaning today. My heart is very full, my one dear brother, and I long to be with you. It does comfort me to believe that to depart and be with Christ is far better than to stay longer here, quoting Paul. And we old ones shall not have so very long a stay now, and we may surely rejoice in the thought of the reunion within the veil. All right. And uh, yeah, actually, it's a summary uh, for my friend, uh, Sam Etherington, who's over at uh, Trinity Sheboygan, recorded their choir for Lutheran Public Radio, actually. Uh, as to the tune, it's uh, from Rayfon Williams. Uh, it's called Sine Nomine. Uh, Latin, without a name, might refer to the unnamed saint, the subject of the hymn, or it might be the composer's whimsical poke at the convention of naming hymn tunes, or both. Uh, composer is Rafe Vaughn Williams, or Ralph, as some people call him, it's Rafe. Uh, prefaced Ascension Day 1906, and then of course he arranged it as well. Uh, Vaughn Williams was the musical editor of the English hymnal, so it is evident that the arrangement is his own. He was also the musical editor of Songs of Praise, Oxford Press, 1925, and for that book, he reharmonized measures four and five to what they are in Lutheran service book, adding the bass notes and the inversion of the chords. Um, all right, anyway, he, he changed the harmonization periodically over the next few hymnals. All right, good. Let's continue with our prayer for the week. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. This day we pray in Thanksgiving with uh, Liz Herms, celebrating her birthday. Pray for the households of our church, especially Gary and Barb, Jim, Paul, Deb, Robert, and Renata. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering. Pray for our homebound. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially our mission of the month, LCMS World Relief and Human Care. And continue to pray for the family and friends of Marianne who grieve her death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our congregation at prayer for today, Friday, November 10th, 2023. I hope it's been a blessing to you. We can, uh, of course, gather again tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll look at Sunday's Old Testament and Epistle reading. We'll prepare for that. Um, 
remind me, uh, we should probably talk about the psalm. I'm reminding myself. And uh, I won't know what's going to be preached on Sunday, but I have a good idea. Well, it's always good to prepare uh, those two readings, and uh, maybe we'll be preaching on the gospel, or maybe preach on one of those. Either way. All right. So, uh, with that, I bid you fond farewell. We'll see you again in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.